Hello and welcome to the NDA podcast. It's always Media Thursday with me, Justin Pierce, the editor, and me, Andy Oakes, the publisher. So once again, Andy Oakes, publisher, what's been happening this week or what's been happening in the last two weeks since we last sat in this recording studio? Uh, many things. Many things have been happening. Uh, I'm not I'm not in a boot anymore, so that's probably what listeners oh, yeah. want to understand. Andy's illness update. Andy, probably for the first time ever on this podcast, is not ill in some way. It's, it's amazing. I know. I'm well, very well. worried I'm going to fall down somewhere. <laughs> so what's been happening? You said many things have happened, but what exactly are these things? Well, January finally ended, which was which was good. Good news. Um, lots of Q4 results coming in um, and differing, differing outlooks from people. So Meta, they're, they're, their uh, stock shot up yesterday incidentally which was interesting um zuckerberg is saying 2023 will be the year of efficiency which sounds dull does sound dull i also note that their q4 reports uh 22 increase in costs so that's <laughs> it's balance it's balanced but i mean that's that's efficient isn't it only, <laughs> only 22 percent um, less good news for our, our friends at snap their q4 results were absolutely awful uh they lost a posted loss of $288 million. Wow. So it shows, you know, we've seen the job losses at Google and we've seen what's happening at Twitter all, all and Spotify and, and Pinterest. The, the platforms are, they're shedding costs, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I mean, we were talking about this before and the, the ad networks, you know, the big networks that, they're not doing as badly and there's talk about well is this to do with well there's macro factors but with the platforms in terms of consumer when consumers shift and consumers can shift in in a big way suddenly then advertising money obviously follows so maybe that's more about the 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 travails of the big platforms you know as they change and their positions change in terms of what they stand for what they mean for consumers and you know what you know what what facebook is means a very different thing to a different generation and that's shifting all the time. Yep. I mean, I guess TikTok is the, is the shining star because for that generation, there's no change in terms of how it's being used. I guess in the next year or so, we'll see if that happens. But yeah, the big platforms, that's what's behind these often sort of shocking results is is changing consumer behaviour that, you know, therefore changing advertising behaviour. Yeah, and it, and it's interesting to see uh, where a lot of the jobs are coming. Now, obviously, there's a slight bias in because of the sort of people we know. But I noticed, particularly with Spotify, a lot of people from their uh, their programmatic teams and their ad teams seem to have uh, got the cut there, which is which is which is obviously sad. It unleashes a load of talent into the market, which is is needed uh, in the smaller places. But it's it's interesting that that's where cuts are being made. It is. I mean, I think I don't know what we've seen in terms of. I should know, but I don't. The the outdoor companies and how they're doing, uh, because that just seems to be still a, a sector with, you know, huge growth and huge potential and huge, huge uh, bright things to come in it. And that's a nice segue. I'll take uh, selfishly to talk about last week's. We did this. We mentioned it the week before podcast. Did the our first, maybe the first ever roundtable held on the same subject at the same time, the same date in two cities in the same restaurant. It was the Ivy, so it was two different restaurants. But anyway, that was on Programmatic Out of Home with our friends, JC Deco. And that was, you know, it's always fascinating doing these roundtables. They're my favourite thing to do, but focus on particular sectors. And it was just so much 
amazing stuff going on out of home and, and lots of the talk was about obviously about how it fits into the, the full file and how it fits into to brands marketing strategies overall and how it fits into brands omni-channel strategies but there was there was such i mean there's it's it's just going up and up yeah but out of home generally yes there was a blip with the pandemic but that's come back and you see the results are it's back stronger than ever in terms of in terms of sort of our user time and dwell time but the results are amazing and, and the creativity is getting better and better and that's i guess one of the ways that programmatic is really helping also just sheer ease of uh, running a campaign so we we have a tiny little bit of knowledge of this <laughs> when we ran a campaign around ad week last year uh, at uh, tube stations close to the venue but sorry advertising week dancers advertising week um but it was so easy to do wasn't it yeah, i mean that's that's sort of the beauty of self-serve. And I guess self-serve coming to out of home is it's amazing. But, you know, I am not, might be shocking to say, uh, an out of home advertising buyer. No, you are many things. And I'm not that. No. But even I could be involved in buying an outdoor ad campaign. It was so easy. We did it. I mean, it wasn't, let's be totally frank, the creator wasn't amazing. And, and I think Rothy was amazing about it. But from ideas to sort of output it was about three or four days and then we had new digital age advertising on the big screens at the top of the escalators in Piccadilly Circus it we was did. amazing and thank you to our friends from Sage and Archer for organising that exactly. that was excellent um, I'll tell you what's big as well at the moment and it's you know how we talk about hype cycles a lot and we see it all the time in this world The and you, we can tell from the flurry of press releases we get in so why are we the only company in the world that doesn't appear to be working with Scope 3 well, everybody is. It's true. Everybody is, and they should be. Scope 3 is one of the most amazing companies around. It's Again, it's helping any any company, anyone, any programmatic company deal with their carbon footprint, essentially. And yeah, you're right. We're seeing this week to so many companies signing up, which is the uh, ad form. Thing. Ad form. Viously. Yeah, it, it keeps coming, coming. And it, it's an amazingly good thing. And Brian and Kelly, obviously, sort of, he didn't invent programmatic, but he held a, you know, he was a seminal figure in its early days and now he's coming in to sort of help the next stage which is addressing the carbon footprint of the industry so yes scope three amazing company and there's this is going nowhere going nowhere this debate it's it's whenever you talk to anyone <laughs> this podcast is going nowhere <laughs> this podcast never goes but many places but when you talk to anyone in the industry it's his top top of the list for for ceos dealing with a carbon footprint of the digital advertising industry with my cynics hat on i did think that it would be, yeah, this is one of those things that agencies and vendors talked about. But talking to agencies that uh, actually are, uh, are meeting the market, marketing the marketers, that's what it was called. Marketing, marketing the, marketers. the marketers. They actually, brands are asking their agencies, how efficient will this buy be? How efficient yeah. are the campaigns going to be? And to be honest, I didn't think that was going to happen. But Now, I was talking to someone at one of the big ad tech companies not so long ago, just before Christmas, and she was saying that 80% of her job now is dealing with uh, sustainability issues for RFPs, eighty percent, and that was compared to twenty percent some a year ago. So you can see this is this is vitally important. And it's business being won or lost in the back of it. And mm-hmm. as I say, it's CEOs that care as much as CMOs now. So it's definitely it's just going nowhere soon. And we are doing more and more on sustainability on NDA. And I think we're launching a dedicated hub on this sometime soon. We are um, also Chat GBT, GPT. It also worries me we're the only company in the world that haven't done anything with that yet. I know. I keep sort of signing up for it and then getting distracted and not, not you. Not doing it. Although, though, 
uh, yeah, our friend Liam Brennan, who's sort of the excellent Liam Brennan, the excellent Liam Brennan, economist uh, at NDA and just a good friend, he wrote a book on it using ChatGPT. He wrote a book on a bus journey. Was he was impressive. on a bus journey. Or it was a book about a bus journey. He was on a bus, yeah, and then he used it to write a book. Well, this could be—you've been on about writing a book yeah. for five years at least. Right. And I don't want to really write it. So. That's always been your issue with it. <laughs> yeah. So that's the way forward. It's the way forward. But I mean, Liam's already done it. But you could do it. I mean, you're not a bus person. I'm so not really a bus person. You could do it in the back of an Uber. Exactly. Okay. So we've got a special guest coming on very soon. It's the amazing Charlie Crow. Uh, we're going to be talking, obviously, about events, because that's kind of what Charlie does. But uh, we should mention events coming up. Obviously, not us, not, I'm just going to say we talk about events a lot in this podcast, so it's very boring. But I'll even bore myself saying that. <laughs> but the big one company is possible that we're, we're the UK media partner for in Miami. We are. Um, all signed and sealed this week. So we will be in... I never thought I'd say this on a podcast. We'll be in Miami, in Miami Beach in uh, the middle of April. But that's de- definitely one for everyone to have a look into. The launch was at, when was the launch of it? The start of this year, uh, the Barclay Hotel. So it's definitely worth having a look into possible and see what's on offer because it is going to be one of the most important issue events this year, we think. Anyway, without further ado, let's meet our special guest, the inimitable Charlie Crow. So Charlie, good to see you. Welcome Hello. to the end day the NDA, 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 it's always been your Thursday podcast. So first of all, let's uh, have an intro from you to our listeners. Who are you? What do you do? Uh, you've just taken your um, your cans off there. You, you've suddenly gone, do I, do I, do I need to take <laughs> yeah. mine off now? Yeah. I feel like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I keep I mine really on. stupid now. I never keep mine on because there's no point wearing headphones. Yeah, there, you, you, there is, you, I just actually I can't. Can, sorry, can you speak up about? Can, <laughs> yeah, you look okay. good in headphones, Charlie. This, right, this, this, you look good in headphones. Ridiculous point. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah um, hello, uh, very nice to see you, Justin and Andy over there. Just see you through the wires. <laughs> Thank you for having me on your little show. Pleasure, good to see you. So come then, give us. I mean, obviously, we've sort of been friends for years and years and years. But for listeners, give us a quick pot history of Charlie Crow. Oh, of course, history. Um, 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 worked in politics. Um, that's my first first love. Uh, I used to write speeches for a little old chap called Tony Benn. Who Did was you? A, I didn't know that. Longest serving member of Parliament at the time. Um, oh. The late Tony Benn MP, um, and then uh, went in and uh, joined uh, a financial journalism. So that's where I cut my teeth. That's where I learned how to, to, to write and things like that. Not particularly well. Then I joined a little magazine over at a publisher called EMAP, East Midlands Allied Press. You will remember that oh, if you're as beautiful. old as me. And they had a business to business division on a little Bowling Green Lane up in Clerkenwell. Uh, and this magazine was called Media Marketing Europe, M&M Europe, as it was known then. And that was the time when, uh, back in the sort of late eighties, early nineties, when the explosion of satellite television was happening, usually led by MTV and Port and um, uh, and then in The Economist and Wall Street Journal and so on and so forth. And, and there was a trade magazine spawned out of a thing called Media Week, uh, spawned to cater for this new international mm. world. Uh, so I edited that for a while when I was a very young chap. Left that and then had the opportunity to acquire that magazine. Uh, so I bought it. Um, it's a bit like, uh, was it Remington? Is it Victor Keim? I loved it so much that I bought the company. It's a little bit That's like that. That's one for the older listeners there. <laughs> yep. Slightly slightly smaller uh, on scale. But, but but that was a really interesting. I was 29 at the time, so it was quite an early thing. And it sort of thrust me from the world of journalism into the world of entrepreneurialism. I never really was an entrepreneur, I don't think. I think it's just about, I just dabble around this industry and try and turn my understanding of the industry into, into money uh, in some ways by, by serving various needs. Um, then I launched a thing called the Festival of Media. Um, which was really, um, that was probably, people say that was a great, great idea and I was really clever. 
Um, I wasn't. I just got asked to do it. That was at the time. It was the the event. It was. It, it really? was. Well, it was. Well, it tracked. It tracked a very important time in the industry. You mm. know, you'd had you'd had the um, um, the, the, the French brothers who created Carat. Had uh, the twins had uh, had uh, created the idea of broking. You know, they bought all the all the airtime and TFO and so on, and then broke it off to people. And then there was a last pan that stopped people from from doing such a thing. But media buying was becoming a massive thing. You know, such and such. You created Zenith. Mm, uh, John Paris. You know, launched that business and uh, and I think called CIA. Seagram Associates created, which is now mm. uh, now sort of melded into whatever it is now. What is it now? The wave maker. Um, wave and um, so all of the track, all those different things. But at that time, uh, Can Lions, which was still and very much the preeminent uh, event of its kind, it, it wasn't really catering necessarily for the media side of the business. And, and there was a uh, and, and indeed clients themselves weren't even allowed to come to Cannes for many years. You know, the ad, the old ad agencies, the creative agencies would, would swat around the croisette in their soft top cars and, they, and they'd hate it. But uh, Jim Stengel at Procter & Gamble decided to take one year, take, take Procter & Gamble across and it changed the whole tenor of the whole thing. However, they didn't move very quickly on the media. So in fact, you know, that's what I was going, going on to say, you know, I was not uh, particularly brilliantly inspirational of me because it was uh, Jack Clouse who was running um, oh, Starcom's media business, publicist group media, called me up from Cannes. In 2006, uh, followed by, I don't know whether they coordinated this, but then Erwin Gottlieb called me the next day from Cannes because um, Jay Walter Thompson had just won the media award and he was livid because Mindshare didn't get the recognition. So so, so just it's an example of Cannes just being a big event, great event, just hadn't quite clocked onto media, which was the, the fundamental driver of the industry at that time and actually arguably still is. So in, in response to their requests, I thought, sod it, I'll, I'll set up. So I went to Venice, booked 400 hotel rooms, um, borrowed a bit that of money. That was a cheap... Uh... <laughs> Cheap thing to try there, yeah, Charlie. Yeah, I did get a couple of American executives, PAs, call me up and saying, uh, Charlie, is, that, is this Venice? Uh, we, we were looking at the map. I'm going, no, no, it's the one in Italy. The one <laughs> in Italy. Um, uh, it was the most impractical place that we could possibly do in 2007. But I had a wonderful team. Look back at that time now with great, great affection because it was a real mission. Uh, and we had the backing of, of the media industry. It was brilliant. You know, I was able to sell sponsorships um, to, to, to major, major sponsors, Yahoo being, you know, Discovery Channel and so on, um, just on the strength of about three PowerPoint slides. And that was just of, of a moment. And I, and I put my reputation and my financial health on the line, really. I just said, I'm going to do this. Back me. And then, and, and amazingly, that maybe maybe that still happens these days, but it certainly happened then, and I was very grateful for it. So, you know, first year we had about 400 people in Venice, Festival Media, Venice, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then 2008, it doubled, trebled in size, went up to 2 million turnover just overnight. So it was quite a lot. So it became quite a big event. And then the recession, you know. <laughs> the recession. And I remember Charles Courtier, bless him, who's who, who, Who's, a, who's not only a good man but a, but a drummer, and that's always a good thing. Let's just not forget that. Um, to, but he was then the well, he'd been the head of YNR Media in Europe, but he was the the, uh, the, the, the senior senior member of WP, WPP at the time. Called me up, so it was only three years into the festival of media, but called me up and said, Charlie, you know, we we we've got to be seen to be doing something. That the world has has turned. You know, this was two thousand and eight nine, wasn't it? Now, do you remember that time? Mm. It wasn't nice. Uh, he said, you know, we we can't. We've decided we have a meeting at Group M, and we've decided we cannot send, um, you know, in, really enough anybody this year to to either can or to the festival of media. And I and, and my reaction was thank you. And he was like, what do you mean? I said, look, you know, can has been going for sixty years. We've been going for for two. And you've just had a meeting yeah. where you've had this and that, and you've had that equation looking at both these events. And I said, well, I take heart from that, you know. 
So, 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 so I, you have to be positive, right? You have to keep on. But, but, so the 2009 year, I launched in the uh, in Miami, did the Festival of Media Latin America. So we kept the European one, and then we launched Latin, and that was largely a result of kind of shit. We've got to do something. We've got to get out and spread our wings. So we did that, and actually, the the Festival of Media Latin America became a bigger event than all of the other ones in the portfolio. So anyway, Festival Media. So that's that's what we were doing. So I was so so that that's me really, and then um, sold that business in 2015. Um, and that, and then, and then, and then basically my, my slow, slow world, like uh, descent into decay, um, <laughs> uh, really began, began right there, uh, which has been quite a lovely story. I've it's it's it. nice that, you know, in eight years into your decay, you're still here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, it's brilliant. My midlife crisis is going well. I'm just, I'm pleased, pleased to report. <laughs> well, let's talk. I mean, look, you've been sort of in this industry. As, as long as Andy and I, or maybe a bit longer. Uh, yeah. And events have been your sort of lifeblood for a long time now. And as I say, the Festival Media, Festival Media w- was the one. It was the sort of flagship event. So what, do you, what are your views now on events? How, I mean, oh. we talk about Cannes a lot. We can say that uh, we're partnering with you again yep. in, in yep. Cannes this year. Hurrah. 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 Uh, Hurrah. But what's you, what your view on events? I mean, we, Andy and I talk about events a lot in this podcast. Yeah. We're possible you mentioned miami possible miami's a new coming one yeah uh, yep. we've yep. got a lot of Chris, christians christians, christians yeah yep. we've got a huge amount of belief in that way made you partnering with with yeah, possible good, good uh, so yeah. yeah what do you see about how events changing oh, and man. what it's it's um well oh, it's a good it's a really good question i mean i don't know whether you read uh, brian jacobs cog cog blog i quite I like uh, brian's and you know and and he calls it quite well he's, he's always been a grumpy grumpy old fart but but has always been very honest and and uh and he's a much needed voice in the industry you know he, he said something actually in a blog yesterday um which um he wouldn't he would probably be very happy for me to sort of say again which was basically you know he's just been asked to speak at an event uh some gaming event uh but one of the main you know the main trade magazine brands and um and but you know then gets gets the kicker at the end you get the email saying please speak and then you get the sort of uh, the sucker punch comes afterwards going how much are you going to pay for to be a sponsor and and, and that fundamentally is one of the things that ah it, it's it's a it's it's pisses can I, am I allowed to say pisses you, me off you can say whatever you want Charlie it, it's that I, I, we I may live to regret very <laughs> <laughs> true I could I could do a lot worse I um, the the um uh, so so pay for play is a tricky is a tricky one. I, I think that th- what we have here is we've got the model of the event business is 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 it's very very difficult right now very very difficult indeed because because well what, what, what's happening points? is particularly the advertising industry it's not the same by the way for for the oil and gas industries and so on which operate still on this podcast on the... we have a bit less interest in oil and gas no okay fine it's just we go into tank sometimes but mainly it's media and marketing well okay fair enough well, well, but may... we have no interest at all may i draw okay <laughs> in may... coal or gas may i or draw... tanks Oh, ta- yes, I quite okay. like tanks. We're a bit of tank. Do you want tanks? Okay, fine. We no, 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 sorry. We don't want tanks. I've <laughs> got a lot of tanks with okay. Andy. Um, so, so, um, although that nice pink tank top you're wearing today, Justin, is very nice. Thank although, you very much. Although the gold lame boxer shorts a little bit wearing. I wish you'd oh, have you. Oh, thank you very much. Okay. Anyway, um, so, uh, no, the reason why I mentioned oil and gas, apologies again, is that, mm. is that that's an industry that hasn't fundamentally changed. Okay. Right, so you can still go to an event, the Hilton Hotel, and, and there's a bunch of 400 oil and gas people all spending a lot of money on sponsoring a table and sponsoring the wines and doing raffles and stuff like that. You know, just as they would have done it in the 1950s. Okay, this industry, of course, we've gone to a, to a word. We have a word called performance. We have a word called programmatic. 
and that means that fundamentally the the the, the returns are, are are flexible they they are they are related um the inputs and outputs become become merged together in this in this wonderful sort of um growing line of 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 benefits that go on the way it's not just a sort of static simple exchange anymore uh, and so that that's what the problem is you know people come to events and want certain outcomes don't want to pay up front for those outcomes. And yeah. that's how you can understand that and take, take the risk. So the onus then goes on the event business. But the event is, event is not a business that could necessarily show the, 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 the business benefits yet. Because sometimes those business benefits, like boy meets girl, a buyer meets seller at the, at the event, um, that, that could, the business could happen three years from then. Absolutely. Yes. And it frequently does. I mean, I'm doing deals now with, uh, from meetings that were done at Cannes three years ago. So how, you've only how, just remembered who they were, probably. Well, that's that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They blame the blame the rosé, and those deals are no, those de- anyway. So, so um, it's it's it, that's very difficult, and it's and it, and we're all trying to sort of square out this circle, but it but it doesn't really work. So that's one thing that that bugs me. Another couple of other, lots of other things bug me. I mean, just quickly quick on quite, the yeah. on the page play thing, because obviously, I mean, we do a lot of events. All of us have do a lot of events, and there's always element of pay, always mm. an element of page play. I guess. That's always been the, been the case. So I guess what's what's changed, you're saying, is that there's less sort of pure editorial speakers, is that? Yeah, is that I right? mean, I think it's hard to look around our, our industry and find purity in, in a way. Um, but it's got worse. Yes, it has got worse. I was talking, one of our, the uh, young lads in our PR team was telling me that they've, they've been asked, asked to come and speak at an event not only have they been asked to come speak at the event, they'd ask, would you bring a brand along to speak at the event yeah, as yeah. well? And then they were told, but you'll have to buy passes for both of them. Yeah, so we want you to speak. It's £1,000 for a pass and you can't. Yeah, they'll have to pay as well. So it's it's got worse. That never used to be a thing. Sure. No, no, no. And, and well, well, that's a, that's a very, very, very interesting point, Andy, because the brand, you know, ultimately... Brands were never seen at events uh, up until about 1985. You know, they weren't really a. They would go to their own trade events. You know that they would. Uh, you know that the, the, the travel brands would go for, to to the you know world travel market, and uh, you know the the Sainsbury's would go to the World Retail Congress or something like that. But they would get so they go to the, those brands would be at their sector marketing areas, but they wouldn't necessarily come to a marketing event because it would be beneath them. So it would just be vendors and agencies, and that's all it was. Yeah. Now, now, now that's clearly changed. Now that's partly changed through in housing, you know. Sort of, there's eighty percent of all the world's global uh, top twenty advertisers are doing some form of bringing, bringing um, both their media in house, but also their tools and systems capabilities in house, particularly centralising their data. So that's, so that means that brands are now, they've always been the buyers, ultimately indirectly, but now that means they really are. So they become a unit of of extreme and 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 big value for the events companies. However, the events companies don't really have a legacy of attracting those sorts of people and don't have those contacts in those areas. They don't know how to speak their language because they've typically been working in agencies. So that's one of the reasons why the event business is shifting. It's shifting in the marketing industry because the very dynamic of the buyer and seller relationship is shifting in this industry. And, 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 and these old events companies, some of them listed on the stock market, you know, the 50, 50 to 100 years old, are sitting there caught in the headlights. Yeah. They don't know how to shift because they've still got, you know, people of my age old old farts who, who who used to do it the the good old simple way still in those positions and it's really really hard hence the extortion that's happening which is effectively what it is to try and drum up and find these brands and, and so i work a lot with brands and so the thing is is that here's another point here's another point so like a ranting a ranting sort of um alcoholic but the um um 
Uh, and I haven't had a drink this morning. It's good. It's only 11 o'clock in the morning, so. Yeah, but fine. well done. Yeah, fine. Uh, although I don't know what's in that water bottle. It looks slightly tainted to me. This seems to be sticking to the sides, Justin. It's just a bit of water. Okay. It's just pure water. Okay, pure water. Okay, fair enough. With pure just tempered with vodka. Fair enough. Fair, <laughs> enough. fair enough. Although I did, did, did sniff a bit of the Joe Rogans about the studio. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, uh, no. So, so, so if you, but the thing is, if you talk to a brand, you go, what do you, brands, what do you want, right? What do you want out of an event? Fundamentally, right now, they probably want understanding and they want knowledge. I think that's, that's true. I was talking to uh, the excellent Joe Dakin a while back about sort of pandemic and what yeah. that's that changed. So that was one of the things he was saying that yeah. he'd love to be able to go to someone like Can and, and meet exactly. 50 really innovative tech companies mm-hmm. that would help him do his job better and yeah. his brand would be better. Well, Jerry, right, we have something knowledge. for you. <laughs> we beam Suntory, call me. Um, so, yeah, no, exactly right. So so the thing is, is that, that what, what, what advertisers want the brands want is not necessarily what the events are constructed to do. You 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 don't go to Cannes. Uh, Cannes is there for networking and celebration. Yes. Yep. Uh, De Mexico is there for trading, and and promotion. All right. Roughly. I mean, you could you can if you if you netted it out on some diagram, they, they'd there'd be some there'd be some Venn diagrams. They'd, 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 they'd and that's why one of them areas. is five days long and one is two days. Long. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Now and and at media vendors. Um, who who pay for these ones want as much time with the client as possible, and the client, the advertiser, does not want as much time with them. They want to avoid being sold at. They want to learn. So you've got this fundamental grating, you know. Great, and they and they have, that's why the advertisers, when they the brands, when they do go to Cannes, they're almost running their own agendas. This is very. They true. almost create yeah. their own events within the event. Yes, very. They get fifty of their team along. They have a coordinator and they have a big villa, and they they basically they, they do it all themselves. And in fact, that's what Cannes has become and i don't blame them for this because it's become so big is yeah. that the content that it produces i mean h- how many people go into the palais i've oh. never met any i'm gonna see i'm sorry yeah uh, uh, and but you know for all its benefits what is it what is it now it's, it used to be a one conference you know what to many would come into one place now got the conference the conference and the content is distributed in a thousand different villas hotel rooms and yacht cabins across the entire thing uh, because people are creating their own agendas um, and that's ultimately what you have a, to do. A bad thing. I mean, the can fridge. What they, I think, can have never done successfully is really sort of take control of that and monetize no, they've it. They've tried. They've, they've definitely tried. tried yeah. They've really tried, but they tried in a clumsy way, a clunky way. But to take, you know, the, the can fringe is really it's vibrant, exciting, it does really well. Even even any advertising we can. In London has a fringe around it, you know, and so I think making yeah. that fringe work. But with well. some massive names in the fringe. I mean, we were on Charlie's yacht. Uh, it was towards the end of the week because things are getting a bit hazy. Yeah. But the um, with the guy from Reddit. Oh yeah, yeah, the founder of Reddit. Founder yeah, of Reddit, yeah, yeah. you know, just happened to be in our in, in, right. in our yacht yeah, cabin. Yeah. What a fantastic! Yeah. That's right. That's right. Event just to to, to be honest, you put in a good put out a good rum and and you'll, he'll come and he'll come to anything. <laughs> I'm only joking. Um, the um, can I can I be a bit po faced? You can and um, overly worthy. Go on then, because uh, I, I really unlike can you, be. but yeah, do it. There's no intellectual heart of these big events anymore. Wow. Okay. And I and that worries me. I mean, I think I read ranted at you. I was probably over over rosade at the time. But the um, you know, I, one one story. You know, you look, 
a lot of the quite rightly a lot of the big american executives who drive can lions who, who if, if they didn't come it used to be the brazilian creatives now it's the american media world and technology but they, they all you know come in their droves like a, like a huge corporate holiday and there they are in can and of course last year was the first year back for two years and there was this general sense of of real joy and celebration there was i really was yeah and uh, and that was great and i can't count the number of people who said to me you know it's so amazing to be face to face. It's yeah. so important to be face to face. To which I, to which I sort of, con- you know, sort of percolated this thought and thought, well, okay, now you're going off to the Facebook beach. Okay, um, you're right. Everything should be face to face. But I'm and I have nothing against, you know, um, Snap and TikTok and Facebook, who are all fundamentally driving and dominating that event. Okay. But fundamentally, they are driving the attention of us, but certainly our children, into non-face-to-face activities. They're driving us, although, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's pulled back on the metaverse recently. It looks like they might be not spending the $250 billion. It's year efficiency for Facebook. It could be, yeah. I mean, you know, they've, they've pledged... $250 billion of investment over 10 years. I doubt, doubt that's going to really happen. But but anyway, nevertheless, that's that's the outcome of CAN. The outcome of CAN is that professionals driving money, pushing money towards, towards screen-based activity for children, right? Okay? Now, I'm nothing against that per se, but those very same people will go back to their Manhattan apartments and their houses in the Hamptons and, you know, places in Surrey, and they will be looking at their children, many of whom will have teenagers, just as I do, and they'll be worried. They will be worried. I've never met a parent at a dinner party who's not said, a little bit concerned that, that you know, John Jonathan is spending too much time upstairs on his thing, or, or, or your Julia is, you know, I'm just a bit worried that she's accessing pornography on this, that, and the other, or whatever. We all know it, don't we? We all know that's there. Right. So you've got this juxtaposition between the professional hubris at something like can and the private concerns now face to face right now so 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 i thought okay well look how many times does the whole industry get together right can what are they where are we having the debate about the good things and the bad things about social media where are we having the debate about privacy where is the industry bringing together creating its own guidelines its own self-enforceable rules to make the industry better to make the world better and to make the advertising industry a place where people actually want to work right and and where do you do it you do it can where is the intellectual where is can bringing these people together and and putting a stamp this if you read the ft and and about and it'll say can the advertising industry get it's not it's not there is no consolidated industry opinion coming through that and that is a missed opportunity and i think that's a great shame so there should be a davos for can there should be a yeah yes why not it's it, it's Sorry, not davos for the advertising industry yeah, this yeah, is interesting enough this is the way that christian uh, describes potentially possible becoming the Davos of marketing industry. And that's his ambition for it. And it's, of course, it's a big ambition. But I, I do totally, totally get what you say, Shai. I mean, I guess at Cannes, these issues are always covered on some conference stage and covered yeah, in some yeah. seminar. But you're right. There's no sort of cohesive. It's no, it, exactly. Yeah, cohesive. This is what well, this year I suppose the trouble is there's no one to drive that, though, is there? Because at the end of the day, Cannes is a commercial operation. Yeah. And, and they... 
It's an it's it's a glorified awards show. Yeah, but but that's but that therein therein I think lies its problem, and and that's where that's where we all some of the best trade events are often owned by the industry that they serve, yeah. right, or shareholded by the industry, right. At some point, you have to make a pact with the industry, otherwise. You know, that can, like all events, run the danger of fizzing bright and then like a firework just dropping back to earth cold and damp and that's it. And people will move on to the next big, big thing. Can has an opportunity. It almost has a, well, there is, there are listed business and, you know, Phil Thomas would laugh at me for saying this and, and he'd be very right to, you know, say, but is it moral duty to try and at least because you've got the industry together to try and be the forum where some of its main problems are at least expressed, where at least the industry is honest with itself. I, yeah, it's a good point. I do think, I mean, the, talking about advertisers being masking events, and Cannes is the one place that they are there in droves in terms of yeah. C-suites, CMOs at Cannes. And yeah. yes, they do things off-site, as it were. You know, the World Federation advertisers there, they also have meetings. So, But there are a large number of very, very, very senior yeah. C-suite marketers there, so I guess it would be a, a great time to drive this sort of yeah, and, and the w- There's no doubt, you know, we know that CMOs now do take all these issues incredibly seriously well, and driving ex- things within their own companies. Exactly. And, you know, I think almost if it's almost a commercial decision probably now for someone like Cannes to try and reflect that because because that's exactly you're right that's exactly what cmos want and 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 you know that's that's remains and i go back to the owning of the industry and the events so that's probably why the a and a and the wfa still fundamentally do the best events um they may not be on beaches necessarily but they have they have the brands and they have the and they have intellectual credibility and Stefan Lurker and the team at the WFA have done extraordinary over the past 10, 20 years. They really have. have. done a they fantastic really job at, at, at binding binding this industry together. So, you know, they might be the key. Definitely. Well, amazing, Joe. I sort of love that. Thank you so much. Loads and loads to think about. So let's, just for the sake of time, let's move quickly on to an equally important issue, which is what's on the desk now Charlie, this is this is one of the most popular strands on this podcast this may also be the most awkward juxtaposition of <laughs> things we've done on this podcast <laughs> yeah, okay. but let's do it anyway okay, it's a segue. Okay. and in this we ask our special guests of which you are one today to look at the desk our amazing desk and this desk is covered with scribblings and mottos and drawings mm. from all the various amazing people that have been in this studio have a look pick your favorite saying on the desk so charlie crow what's on the desk. <laughs> Charlie's had to take his glasses off because I kind of think he can see I'm, the I'm desk. at that age where you need, I need bifocals. Um, hold on. Oh, sorry, I've got to move this. Way. Well, I see a daisy, but it's, you want me to look at a saying, do you? I've got a, a daisy. Yeah, and also section. our last guest picked the daisy. That was a quite exciting flower well, chat segment. Well, I think we're going to have to move the, where the guest sits, aren't we? Oh, yeah. oh God. You're, yeah. I think uh, okay, for I've the listeners, uh, Charlie's about to sit under Justin's lap, which... Oh, here we go. That's, um, what's that? It, it's not gone as well as we'd hoped. I can't read. I can't read it. I mean, look, this. What, you've, you've got the. What sort of? You, we've we've gone okay. from a heartfelt plea to making. Uh, oh, yeah, that says that says Penny Cook, twenty twenty two. Penny Cook, twenty twenty two. So, Charlie, like Crow, what does that mean to you? <laughs> it means that Penny Cook was here. In- I I don't think I know a lady called Penny Cook, but if you've been interviewing her here at this table i'm sure she's she's obviously a very very important person Great she sounds that. like a i don't know i'm now imagining somebody called you know penny cook it's a very very amenable name isn't it 
It's she's a, a primary of, school teacher with a dachshund. It exactly sounds like that. She wears a Laura Ashley dress. She bakes the fan, most fantastic muffins of a Sunday. And and someone over here... I'm getting, I'm, getting awkward, I'm getting all weak at the knees just thinking about that. I think well, we Charlie, thank you so much. That was now. another amazing episode of What's on the Desk. Insert theme tune here. Charlie, <laughs> thank you very much. That's the worst so, idea I've ever heard. <laughs> this is our most popular game. It's our only game. Anyway, thank you so much. Let, I think we'll draw this podcast shudderingly to a halt. So, Charlie, Clay, thank you so much for joining us. Thank Great you. to see I'm you. Sorry, Penny. <laughs> Look forward to seeing you very soon at the next Big Industry event. So, Andy, that was it for us. Another podcast finished off. Yeah, that, that one went places. I was, I was pleased with that. Yeah, so We've covered a lot. Yeah. I think that should be it. I'm still here, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's, it's a conceit we play to the listeners that Charlie's just mysteriously oh, disappeared. Okay, I'll shut You've up broken that. the fourth podcast wall, Charlie. That's what's <laughs> happened. Anyway, this is it. We're coming to a close. Thank you so much for listening. Charlie Crow, thank you so much for being thank our you. main special guest thank today. You very much, it's goodbye from me, Justin Piercieza, and it's goodbye from Andy Oakes, the publisher. Thanks for listening. podcast is a new digital age production new digital age is part of the blue strike group the communications group for the digital industry please go to www.bluestripegroup.co.uk for more information